Hey, Sean Gaby here. Welcome to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Hey everyone, Sean Gaby here with the Supernatural Leadership Podcast, talking about the difference between principle-led leadership and presence-led leadership. We all have a leader within. Why not make that leader a little more supernatural? Enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome again to another Supernatural Leadership Podcast episode. My name is Sean Gaby. Thank you so much for stopping by today. We have a very special episode for you. I really felt to share with you uh, a very special message that I shared with our Kingdom Culture community several weeks ago called Living From Within. Living From Within by Looking Up. I know this message will really inspire, challenge, and strengthen your leadership journey. So don't tune out. I know it's a little bit of a different flow for today's episode. I believe this message will really impact your leadership. Enjoy. Super excited to be in what we've been calling uh, this new series, Peace in the Midst of Chaos. And I think that it's a prophetic word and statement over you, over your life, about the need for peace and the need to, or the desire to manifest that peace in greater ways in this season of your life. And so we've been in this for the last several weeks, two weeks actually, this is the third week, and so I'm excited, or this is the second week, sorry, this is the second week. We started it last week, and so we're going to dive in today. If you haven't heard last week's uh, message week one, I would encourage you to go back on our YouTube channel. If you haven't already, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Kingdom Culture. Uh, I know it will really encourage you. The aim, really the aim is, uh, is to, to help us practically be people of peace more and more. It's one thing to say, I have peace by faith. I believe in the peace of God by faith, but it's a whole other thing to practice it when you actually need to, right? That's why we've been praying for peace downtown peace in our city peace in our country because when you are tempted not to practice it that's when things go crazy and go in the wrong direction and so week one we talked about uh holding it speaking out of exodus chapter 14 speaking of moses holding his peace as he led israel through oppress uh, 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 out of an oppressive place of living for 430 years but the first thing that he came to was a moment where all of Israel thought they were going to die at the Red Sea. And God's encouragement to Moses was, Moses, if you're going to make it through, if you're going to see the miraculous happen, hold your peace. He said, lift up your hand, hold your peace, hold it. Because it's very easy to lose your peace or to, let's reword it, not, a, not practice our peace when everything is coming against us and saying, it's impossible. Nothing's going to change. So this week, I want to just remind us of something because our aim is always kingdom. Romans 14, 17 to 19. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness. Say it with me, goodness, which actually is righteousness, peace. Everyone say peace. And joy in the Holy Spirit. Peace. Peace is kingdom. Righteousness is kingdom. Joy is kingdom. All with the aim in verse 19. Let us aim for harmony in the church 
and try to build each other up. And I don't know about you, but I have definitely seen the ugly head of division in the last two years within the church. It's an ugly head. And it's reared its ugly head in the last two years because when people have more time on their hands, the real them comes out. Boredom is one of the scariest things to be in kingdom life. One of the most dangerous places to be is be bored. That's when things start getting crazy. I don't know about you, but if I just look at the state of the last two years, I would say weird as a, a banner. Like, things have just gotten weird. People have gotten weird. It's not really an insult, it's more of a description. It's like, it's weird. It feels weird, looks weird, sounds weird. People's beliefs have gotten weird. That ones that you thought were like here, like are way over here, and they're like, how did you get over there? Well, it's just weird came in. This is not new to, to kingdom life either. But I want to dive into a, a passage that I've actually spoken from probably about four times in the last seven years. But it's a powerful passage, and I've always kind of pulled back another different type of layer of the onion because scripture's like that. It's like a giant onion. And you can read the same thing, even the same line over and over again. And depending upon the season you're in, you can unravel and unwrap something new. And it's like as you get deeper in the onion, you know, it's like when your eyes begin to water, it's like God breaks you even more. It's like, it's like the, 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 this, uh, this ability to, to see more of God in your situation by unraveling the same scripture that you've unraveled 10,000 times. But you're never going to unravel it to its end. That's the beauty of Scripture, is when the Holy Spirit is guiding you, you're never going to get to the end. There's always more. There's always more. He's always unveiling more. So Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, give you a little bit of context though before we dive into this. Mark chapter 4 verse 1, all the way to verse 35, he's teaching his crew. He's teaching his team. He's teaching his disciples, giving them kingdom lessons, how to be good stewards, what it looks like to plant a seed. What it looks like to not put, you know, your, your, your message and your light under a lamp or under shade. And, and what it looks like to, to grow up and to be a kingdom influence and how to activate the kingdom in your life practically. He's giving them the goods. And then, so strategically, like he does with all of us, now he throws us into what feels a con like a contradiction, but actually is simply just called practice. What feels like contradiction to you when God gives you a promise, God calls practice. What do I mean by that? So God says you're going to be, be this, you know, you're going to be the next um, great thing in your company. And all of a sudden you get demoted. And you're like, that's a contradiction to the word. And God's like, no, that's practice because I'm preparing your heart so you can be ready for what I want to give you. So I've given you the promise. Now I need you to practice. I've given you the idea, now I need you to step out into that idea by practice. How many people do you know that have a lot of good ideas? Only a few of you? No, no one has like no one has people. I, I know a lot of people that have a lot of good ideas, they're great ideas. But the next step always is, okay, how do you practice? How do you step out? How do you move forward in the thing, in the idea that you have? How do you make it happen? Well, this is an opportunity the disciples had to make some stuff happen to practice how true the revelation was within them. So Mark chapter 4 verse 35. Now on the same day, say it with me. I want to keep you awake guys. I know it's like, you know, it's dark in here. So I want to keep you awake. On the same day, 
the same day of all this stuff that I've just given you on the same day. So I've just taught you all this stuff on the same day. Okay, so on the same day, we just prayed right now for, for unity. We prayed for love. We prayed for that. And then you're going to get out into your car on the same day, and someone's going to cut you off, and you're going to flip them the, the, the middle finger. I don't know. Maybe you're not. If you're French, it's okay for you. But you're going to get out there, and now God's like, okay, are you going to practice love? Now, maybe bad example. You know, cars cutting you off and stuff. I know that's a different thing. But what I'm saying is that you have an opportunity on the same day to practice what you just prayed. You have, this, you have an opportunity to practice this on the same day what you just learned, what you just received. This is why it's so important. Like, the religious people that Jesus had negative interactions with and often rebuked and corrected had this very problem. They honored him with their lips, but their hearts were far away. Therefore, it actually caused them to have a religion of practice, not a relationship of practice. Two different things. Okay, so Mark chapter 4, 35, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Jesus said to the disciples, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats, everyone say other little boats that we know nothing about, that no one even cares about, were also with him. Verse 37, and a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling, but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Like a lot of people leave the church because of this exact situation. They go through a storm. They forgot everything that they got taught. They say, don't you care? But really, it's a cry for of, I don't even know if I ever actually believed. And then they peace out, and they actually say that it's the church's fault. It's always that way. But the church is people. This is what people don't understand. The church is people. I don't care where you are. Go work in the business. Go into politics. Go into a church. Go to a not-for-profit. Go to your neighbors. You have people problems everywhere you go. What they're, really is, what they're really saying is, God, I don't know if I ever really believed. Now, I'm not saying that some literally didn't, and it's through time and circumstance, it became hard in their heart and then rejected God. But the people are often the first thing to blame. Who else are you going to blame? So here we are. Don't you care that we are perishing? Don't you care, God, like that this is all happening? God cares. Of course he cares. He really cares. He cares so much that he's sleeping. And he's sleeping for a reason. Because he wants you to remember that the lack of of freedom on the outside has nothing to do with the inside of your life. He wants you to remember that you can have peace on the inside when everything else on the outside feels like storm and chaos. Verse 39, and he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? Which, which literally means why are you so cowardly? Why are you so cowardly? Like, why didn't you think 
and look at me and think, maybe there's a reason why I'm passed out on a pillow. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Little faith, the word is. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and sea obey him? I want to speak from this subject for a few moments. Write this down, living from within. Living from within by looking up. And I want to continue this thought from last week's message. Remember, Moses, what did he do? He looked up, so to speak. He, he, he moved his posture upwards. He lifted up his hand and the, the Red Sea parted. He, he made sure that he realized that the only way to get through this was to look up where his help actually comes from. If God brought him to this moment, he can be sure that God will bring him through this moment. All he has to do is follow God's posture. God said, hold your peace, lift your hand. He followed God's posture, and he got through. That's what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples. Follow my posture, and you'll get through. What was Jesus' posture in the storm? We'll get to that in a second. God wants us to learn to live within. We have to look up first and then around, not around and then up. If you look around all the time and then up, it will skew your view of God. This is why there is so much division in the church. This is why people leave the church. I'm going to hit something right now. I'm going to hit her really hard on the head. Ready? The reason why people leave the church, angry at the church and God is because they've spent all their time looking horizontally and less time looking vertically. They look to people for acceptance, for praise, for encouragement, and when they don't get it, they say, well, it, maybe God doesn't love me, therefore I reject everything good in my life because they failed me. God never failed me, but they did. But as soon as you begin to reject the people of God, it's as though you are rejecting God himself. And I can show you this all throughout Scripture. It's his bride. If somebody rejects my wife, my bride, it's as though they're rejecting me. We're one. You can't separate us. We are one with God. We're in union, right? So if we spent more time looking for looking up and, and making sure we're getting our praise and our needs and our encouragement from God first, Whenever this thing goes chaotic down here, I'm good. If I'm good. Because if you live by the praise of people for long enough, you will also die by the lack of it. If you're always looking for identity only from people and not from God, you'll die when you don't get it. And you'll miss out on the beauty of life because you don't get it. John 5, 19. Let me just bring you into a little bit of, a, I'm going to teach a little bit today, but bring us into a glimpse of Jesus' life. He did only what he saw his father doing, John 5, verse 19. He only did what he saw. Jesus, Son of God, fully man, fully God, only did what he saw. It actually says he could do nothing on his own initiative. I only do what I see my father doing. He learned to live within by looking up. He learned to live within to have peace by looking up, always looking, what's the Father doing? And I'm just going to mimic that on the earth. What's the Father doing? And I'm going to mimic that on the earth. This is the key to supernatural peace. It's the reminder, and this is why communion is so important. Do this to remember me. Bring me back to the forefront of your focus. Keep your eyes up, not down. If you keep your eyes down, that's where weird comes in. 
That's where weird comes in. If you keep your eyes down, that's where weird comes in. I only do what I see my father doing. Let me show you a story, okay? So this, this has shaped my perspective on this for years. 2009, we had just finished um, a big outreach on the street. We had hundreds of people. I brought them through six weeks of training in my prophetic course, the supernatural course that I was teaching at the time. And we bring people onto the street and we just, you know, loved on the homeless, you know, prayed for the sick, you know, amazing things happened every single time we were down there. And uh, this one time, it was 2009, and it was, I believe it was around April. Yeah, it was April 2009. And um, my wife was six months pregnant at the time. And, uh, you know, all things were good. And we were living in this three-bedroom apartment in Vanier. We were in the midst of a new season, about to have our first baby. And uh, it was an exciting season. And we finished this outreach downtown. And we felt that on the last day, we were to empty our entire ministry bank account for the homeless. And so we just took everything that we had at the time and just loved on the homeless. Like, bought them clothes, took them to, like, fine restaurants, just blessed them, just showed them some major dignity. Some people that I remember that hadn't had a steak in, like, 30 years had a steak for the first time. I just remember, you know, guys getting like leather jackets and nice clothes where they could feel warm and just feel like dignified. And it was an amazing moment. And um, and that day, so that day we, after to celebrate, we went to this restaurant downtown. And I parked the car, and I won't tell you the parking garage, but just not give it bad press, but I parked my car in a parking garage and uh, on a major street that everyone knows, and uh, I had all of my stuff in it. I had my journals, I had my laptop, I had like shoes, like a whole bunch of stuff in the car that was like precious items. And so I, I park my car, and we go into the restaurant, we're celebrating this birthday, and I come out of the restaurant, and I'm coming towards my car, and I could sense something wrong. I could just, you know when you sense something like it's about to happen? And I look at my car, and before I even get to my car, I look up. And on this giant cement beam in the parking garage was spray-painted the word peace. Now, just to give you a little bit of backdrop, that same day, before we went on the street, we were meeting together, we were worshiping, we were in worship, and I was teaching a little bit, and I was teaching out of Mark 4 about peace in the storm. And here's the thing. When God speaks to you, expect that you're going to have an opportunity to manifest what God just spoke to you. But sometimes we just don't expect it. I learned to expect it now. If I get like a really heavy word, I'm like, oh, oh shoot. Like, I, I don't want that. To, I don't want something to happen to make that real in my life. But listen, God is all about making it real for you. The word made flesh in your life. Fleshing out the word. It has to be, be real. You got to eat the scroll like Ezekiel did. You got to eat the message. It's got to get in you, digested inside of you. So I, I'm walking on my, on my car. There's this massive beam that says peace. It's massive. And I just felt like, man, I'm, I need, like, that's really interesting. I was just talking about peace this morning. I'm looking up. I look down and I go to my car. My car had been broken into, completely robbed. All the change was everywhere from my little change drawer. Everything was taken. I mean, I had my journals taken. They stole my journals, man. Like, like I had dreams and like 
were like, like, like really sentimental stuff. My, my Bible, which fine, take my Bible, I don't care about that. But my journals, my laptop, I had a book that I had written that was not backed up on that laptop. Lost it all. My in-ear monitors at the time, because I was playing music back, at the, back in that time. Like I lost everything, about, about $6,000 worth of stuff. And honestly, I didn't care about the, the, the technical stuff. I really cared about my, like my journals. And I was hoping that the, the judgment of God would come on these people and it would be sent back in the mail. Never happened. Never happened. But I remember in this moment, like it was like God forewarning me that what I was about to experience was going to require peace. Very similar to what happened in this moment in the storm. Let me just make this proclamation. The word peace is spray painted over every one of your chaotic seasons ahead of time. Before you go into chaos, before you go into trouble, storms, peace is already promised to you. So the question is, will you look up to recognize it so you can actually practice it when you're in it? If I hadn't looked up in that moment over my car, I don't know what I would have felt. Now, I'm not saying that I felt peace. But it was sure a reminder and a guide for me for the next several days as I was dealing with the conflict inside of me of the loss. Like I said, it was the sentimental stuff that mattered to me. Think about any season you've ever been in. If you look back, maybe you barely made it through. Maybe you made it through. I can guarantee you peace was always there. The question was, did you look up enough to grab a hold of it, to make it real in your life? This is kingdom one. This is leadership 101, by the way. Like kingdom life is about practice, making it real. I don't care if somebody has a great revelation, great information, great memorization of the scripture that's all good how is it implemented into your life well God is the God of this in my life God is the God of that in my life awesome live it out that's that's the most important thing righteousness looks like something it's not a statement only it's a promise that looks like something grace is a promise that looks like something it's the enabling ability and power to actually get you through hard times grace it does something are you with me peace over the chaos or within the chaos is what God wants us to make manifest in our life why because John 10 verse 10 the thief comes only to still kill and destroy I came that they may have life and have it abundantly that's his goal is to take from you to rob you but guess what? You have peace as a promise over whatever it is that you're ever going to lose in life. Hey everyone, before we continue on, I have some exciting news to share with you. The Supernatural Leadership School is now live. The platform has been launched with our very first e-course called The Voice of God Module. I would encourage you head over to SupernaturalLeadership.com and sign up today and begin a brand new Supernatural Leadership journey. time and we're talking about kingdom life and what we're aiming for in Luke 17 chapter 20 or chapter 17 verse 20 it says this now when he asked was asked Jesus by the Pharisees the religious teachers of the law when the kingdom of God would come he answered them and said the kingdom of God does not come with observation 
nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is where? within you and the kingdom of God in Romans chapter 14 is what not a matter of eat or drink but of what righteousness and peace and joy so if the kingdom is within you guess what you already have righteousness peace and joy so what does it look like now to access what's already there It's this continual everyday journey of reminding yourself of what you already have. You have everything you need to live the life you're called to live. You can't pray prayers like, God, give me more of you. You already have all that you're ever gonna get. The prayer is, God, help me become more aware of all that I already have. Help me become aware of what's already within. That's what we need to access. John 14, 27, peace I leave you. Not as the world leaves you, but I leave it to you different so that when trial, trouble, and fear come, you're, you're strong. It was a promise. I've left it with you. It's there. The kingdom is within you. Let me just highlight real quick four statements, points, promises that I notice in Mark chapter 4. I know there are more, but I notice in Mark chapter 4. Number one, write this down. He said it. Powerful statements we're going to pull from this passage, okay? Mark chapter 4, 35. On the same day, when evening had come, he said. Everyone say he said. So important. What did he say? Well, everybody wants a word, right? Like, what is God saying right now? But we forget that, like, he's already also given us this. Now, I teach on this many, many different ways that God will speak. I do not believe it's even biblical to only believe that God only speaks from the Bible. God spoke to the prophets in riddles, which dark sayings, enigmas, dreams, visions. Now, I believe it needs to be within the framework of wit being witnessed by Scripture. It's the Word of God, 100%. But remember, the spirit of prophecy even is the testimony of Jesus. Everything falls back on the cornerstone of Jesus, but God's going to give you a vision, God's going to give you a dream, and you're not going to open up your Bible and be like, it's exactly in the Bible. I mean, that's just common sense. So he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. If he says it, you could trust that it will come to pass. Where we get it off sometimes is how long it's going to take to get there. Like where we miss it. It's like God said it. I felt God said this to me. It doesn't happen in our timeline. And then we get upset at God and we say, like the disciples, don't you care that I'm in this mess? God's like, I care, but I want you to look at me. What am I doing in this process? Follow my lead. Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing. So when you're in a tough situation, the best question you can ask is, God, what are you doing? God's sitting back on his lazy boy, eating potato chips, watching reality TV show. I'm not saying that that's true. I'm just saying, what are you doing, God? You seem to be a little more relaxed. Why am I so tense? Don't worry, you got this. Access the peace within me by looking up. Looking at what I am doing. This word for he said, listen to this, means to lay, this is the definition. If you break this word down in the Greek, okay, in the way this was written, if you, if you break it down, it means lay down to sleep. What was Jesus doing in the storm? He was simply manifesting his word. 
He was becoming the word flesh. Did you see what, what's happening here? It's that he said to them, means to lay down to sleep or laying an argument to rest or bring a message to closure or moving to a conclusion. In other words, if I've said it, there's no argument. If God said it to you, there's no argument. I've laid it to rest. It's moving towards closure. And all you have to do is follow my lead until the thing actually happens that I've already said is going to happen. Laid it down to sleep. He says it. It's going to happen. I remember in 2000, I believe it was 2003 or 2004. Sometimes I miss the, 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 the year, but I know the date. And I was living in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I was traveling with this couple. I had been traveling with them for about a year and a half around North America, Central America, and Canada. And I remember they were asking me if I was going to come back, and I felt, uh, I, I, I wasn't sure, and so I was praying. It was May 26th. I remember the day. I wrote it down on my journal. May 26th, and I was praying. I was asking God, should I stay in Minnesota? Should I stay here? And this is what God spoke to me. This is what he said to me. Very clear. I wrote it down exactly word for word. He said, you will not go back with Wayne, but when you go to Mexico in July, because I had a trip planned to Mexico in July, you're going to be hooked up. This is what he said to me. This is how he languaged it. You're going to be hooked up with a three-month prophetic training program. Wait for me, and it will happen. That's exactly what he said to me. I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, what's a prophetic training program? Like, you know, I was like into that, but I was like, what does that even mean? Wrote it down on my journal. I'm in I'm in Mexico now, July, months later, a couple months later. I'm in Mexico, and, you know, we're doing these meetings. Powerful things are happening, and I meet these guys from Alaska that are there on the same trip. And I, we're in the pool together, hanging out, having a good time. The next morning, now I've forgotten about this word. The next morning, the next morning, I wake up, we're eating breakfast together. This guy from Alaska is sitting there. He's like, Sean, he's like, I don't know, I have this sense. I want to share this with you. I'm like, what? He said, I don't know, I'm just hearing this from God and I want to see if this makes sense to you. He said, I'm hearing three months. I'll pay for you to get down here. You can live in my beachfront house on the coast in Alaska where I live in Homer, Alaska. Bald eagles fly up to my window every day. I live like literally in a spa, bed and breakfast. He said, I'll pay for your food for three months and we'll do prophetic training like a program for three months. And he's saying this to me and I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. Like, like, it's in my journal. Like, let me just, let me get, and I remember showing him, like, word for word. Like, he said word for word what it said in my journal. Because when God says it, the, there's no argument. It may not come when you want it to come or think it's going to come, but it will come. So about a month after that, I actually moved to Alaska. Lived on the beach in Alaska at a bed and breakfast spa bald eagles every morning. Ah, every morning it was like totally, I lived beside the National Geographic Eagle Lady. Like literally, where the eagles gather on her property. If you want to see something weird, that's weird. Not a cat lady, it's the Eagle Lady. And she's called the Eagle Lady. National Geographic. Like it's a big deal. I lived beside her. Like it was a crazy season. But God said it. It brings it to closure when he says it. Number two, write this down. He's got us. Two, second important statement to, to realize that in this passage, he's got us. When we're going through craziness, he's got us. Why does he got us? Where do we see this? Mark chapter 4, verse 35. What does he open up with? He says, let us. 
Look at, look what it says. On the same day, he said to them, let us. Did he say, guys, go ahead, have a good time. Go ahead, go ahead, I'll beat you after. Let us, I'm with you. I've got you. I'm in the boat with you. Let us together, team Jesus. This is why we're called co-laborers. We're co-heirs. We're side by side with Jesus. He was stabbed with a spear in his side as a prophetic statement. Bring it full circle like it was Adam and Eve. Out of man, woman was created from the side. Not so one could dominate the other, but they could walk side by side. That's why men love ribs so much, because they're missing one. So Jesus gets stabbed in the side as a sign of what it's going to look like to walk side by side with him as co-heirs and co-laborers in Christ. We're in union. We're like a Siamese twin with Jesus, reflecting his nature as ambassadors, as citizens. Are you tracking with me here? Let us cross over to the other side. Isn't that comforting? He promised that we're going to make it, but he's also with you while you're in the chaos, when you need the peace. And I, I remember when in 2013, I believe it was, we were um, in our old building, and uh, the time, it didn't really make sense, but I really felt God spoke to me. I want you to believe for $130,000 in 30 days. It made no sense. Uh, a lot of people around us thought it was ridiculous, and, you know, they were chirping me for it consistently. Why are you doing that? We really felt it was the Lord to do that as we closed December 2013. And uh, we came to the end of the month. I think it was December 30th or something. And we had, I think, just a little bit over half. And I thought to myself, like, did I miss it? You ever felt like you thought, you ever think like God spoke to you and then you, you maybe you wondered, did I miss it? Because you're like, literally didn't happen when you thought it was going to happen. And now there's no way in your mind logically, but since when is anything God says logically? It's never logically. It's always foolishly. When God says anything to you, it always feels foolish. If it was logical, you could do it without him. You wouldn't need him to say it because you could just do it. But when he speaks to you, it feels foolish, and that's why you need him to lean on him when it makes no sense. So God says, start this, do this. You're like, well, I can't because of this and my situation. If you knew my situation, great. But did God say it? Don't worry about your situation. Let your situation worry about you coming at it and doing something about what God said. Anyways, so I, 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 you know, we kept believing, but I was struggling at the end. I was like, did I miss it? And we announced it, and it was like, God's going to do it. And December 31st now rolls around. And I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. It's just going to, I just, and it was a blizzard out. It was a storm, literally a storm that day. A really bad storm, December 31st. My kids were sick. I get this text message from this gentleman who didn't even really attend our church, really, to be honest with you, kind of off and on. He said, hey, can we meet for a meeting? And I'm like, in my mind, it's December 31st. It's New Year's Eve. It's the worst day. My kids are sick, and there's a storm. And so, you know, and I had said to God, like, like what, like kind of the, the vibe of Mark 4, like, don't you care that I just made all these announcements and pronouncements, God? Like, and now this is not happening. Like, this is, this is, and all these people are going to, they're right. They were saying that I was wrong, and they're all going to be right. You know, <laughs> like, this is my internal battle. I'm just being honest, right? Um, and, and so, 
I get, so I, I just felt like, okay, I'll, uh, you know, honestly, I'll just meet him. It was like 10 minutes down the road. I'm just going to do it. And I go to the second cup and coffee shop. And we're there, and I'm meeting with him. And he looks at me, and he says, and I really had no idea what the meeting was really about. I know he said he wanted to do something, but I was like, okay, I had no idea. And he, he looks at me, he says, I really felt God spoke to me. And he handed me a $50,000 check. And I remember taking it, and I remember trembling. Like, the, I could feel the power of God in my body, like just trembling. Like, God, you said it. And I thought there was no way it was going to happen. And I'm literally like the clock's about to strike 12 in like seven hours. And here this guy is at a second cup handing me this check. And I felt God spoke to me in that moment and just reminded me, never stop believing when I've spoken something to you. Even to the last hour, I said it and laid it to rest. I was not restful that day until that moment. But it was a good lesson for me, a reminder for me. And then within literally six more hours, almost literally all the rest of the money came in and we had exactly what we were believing for. It was a really fun Sunday the next, I think the next week to announce it. It was really fun. It was really fun. He's got you. He's got you. Number three, write this down. We're almost done. Two more points. He's got you. He's giving us an opportunity. He gives us opportunity. Opportunity for what? Opportunity to grow. Opportunity to believe in the impossible. Opportunity to mature. Opportunity to empower and encourage others. When we are in a storm and when we are being challenged to learn to live from within by looking up, all of that is about an opportunity to shape you into a better version of you. But not just for you, for others as well. Let me just go to this for a second. Mark chapter 4, verse 36. Then when they had left the multitude, they took him along, listen to this, in the boat as he was, and other little boats. Nobody ever talks about the little boats. These little boats get left out of every message. Like, what happened to those little boats? Like, I'm thinking, okay, here's, like, uh, the disciples are in the center, and, like, all the little boats are around watching, like, because they were also in the storm too. But they didn't have Jesus in their boat. They were watching what it would look like in their life. Oh. oh my gosh, this is how God speaks to me sometimes. I say stuff and I'm like, wow, that was awesome. I know that sounds weird to you, but to me, that's like an encouragement in my own soul. They were watching to see what it would look like to have Jesus in their life. People are watching you to see what it would look like to be like you and have Jesus as the center of your life in your boat while you're going through some chaos. People are watching. You don't even realize they're watching you. I remember there was a season of my life where I was on TV a lot and I would be stopped in the bathroom, public bathrooms, because back then I had dreadlocks, so you could recognize me from a mile away. Nobody really had dreadlocks as an itinerant back then. This is before Todd White, okay? You know who that is. I had these long dreads, and I, you know, it, it wasn't always a good thing for me because I got harassed everywhere I went. Every border crossing I ever went, I got literally harassed, strip searched all the time. I was always like an illegal, bringing illegal drugs over supposedly to every police officer because of my look. 
It's true. That's actually true. I actually had anxiety going over the border for years. Like I would tremble because of what they were going to do. Um, but, but I, now I lost my train of thought. Oh yeah, I remember in that season, I would be in the bathroom and, and people would come up to me and it was very uncomfortable for me because I was in the bathroom. But in that season, it was reminding me all the time, Sean, remember that people are watching. Like, hopefully not in the bathroom, but you get the point. People are watching. People are watching your life. They know you and you don't even know them. They're watching what it looks like to have Jesus in your boat. Your life is supposed to be an encouragement for other people. Do you realize that? I remember this season of 2013. I'm gonna go back there for a second. To half of 2014. At the time, we made a really big, bold move in the church we were leading. And uh, we shut down every ministry in the church except for key, some key ministries. Put everything on pause. And uh, it was a very stormy season. It was probably one of the hardest seasons. And I had some really big pushback. We as a leadership team had some really big pushback for some of those decisions. Anger, utter hatred, telling us that we were, you know, what we were doing was demonically led and waving their finger at us. And it was a very, very almost felt like divisive move in time. And along the way, I kind of doubted sometimes, like, was that the right move? Like how we always do, right? When we make bold moves. And we did it. And I remember at the end, closer to the end of that six months, there was all of a sudden, when I was in a place where I was wondering, I'm like, man, like, like, is this, was this even do what it was supposed to do? Because we had a, a reason why we did it. And I had an influx of local pastors and even national pastors in Canada come to me and message me saying how much it inspired them because they wanted to do that but felt like they couldn't because they would lose everything. And it just reminded me and reinforced that people are watching your faith. People are watching how you live, how you conduct your life. Are you with me? Number four, last point. Last point, number four, he's our model. He's our model. Mark chapter four, verse 38. But he was in the stern, in the stern, asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? But the focus here is he was in the stern asleep. He was modeling something. If kingdom life is peace, if kingdom life is peace, according to Romans 14, 17, if kingdom life is peace, righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit, if the kingdom of God, according to Luke 17, is within, if John 5, 19 is true, that I only do what I see my father doing, if all those things are true, then all they should have seen was, this is exactly how you need to be right now, in peace. Because they weren't in peace, they were in fear. They weren't in peace, they were in fear. They were in utter fear, terror, they were gonna die. Trained fishermen that had been on the waters many times thought they were going to sink. But yet Jesus was asleep, he's passed out, he's modeling something. He was modeling that you can be in peace when it makes no sense. God is saying to us right now, in your marriage, in your family, in your job, in your career, while everything's going on around us, in our city, in our nation, globally, you can find peace still, even in the midst of what feels 
stressful, feels like distress, feels like suffering, you can still access peace by looking up because that's the key to live from within. Jesus simply was manifesting who he was. The prince of peace. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, he is the prince of what? Peace. So here he is, the prince of peace, manifesting and modeling peace when there's no reason to be in peace. But that's kingdom life. He speaks from who he is and he says, peace be still. The word actually means shut up. Be calm. That's what it is. Shut up. Some of you need to say a big shut up to the thing going on right now in your life. And that shut up, let it be motivated from the peace that you have within because you know it's your rightful place to move through if God's told you you're going to move through. God said, let us cross over to the other side. He never said, let us cross over and stay, die, and sink, and drown, and forget everything I just said. He said, let us cross over to the other side. You will make it to the other side because God said it. So while you're in it, the only thing you have to do is look up if you want to live from within and follow his lead because he's sleeping in your mess. But not as a, I don't love you, I don't care. That's what the disciples thought. Well, you don't care. You're not doing anything in my marriage. You're not stepping in. You're not changing the heart. You're not healing my body at the time I want you to heal my body. You're not doing this thing that I've been believing for. Don't you care? Ask God the question, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because what I'm praying doesn't seem to be working. So maybe a better question in the moment before you pray is, God, what are you doing? All he might say to you is just trust me. No one wants to hear that. But it's the right thing to hear. No one wants to hear what they need to hear, usually, right? No one wants to hear what they need to hear. No one wants to get what they need to get. We just want to get what we want to get, and this is why we get discouraged. Why don't you stand up with me? If this podcast has been an investment into your life and or impacted you in any way, we are incredibly thankful. We would love for you to join us in being able to continue bringing leadership content like this every month. Of course, it does not come without a cost, and our heart is to continue bringing you more improved quality and content. If you would like to partner with us with a one-time financial gift or to sign up as a monthly partner, you can do so at kingdomculture.ca. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast.